0: right so so we have the, the this word grace out in the world and even in christendom and 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 yet my guess is uh, many of us don't really have real clarity real real sharpness on on what the bible teaches about this word grace it's almost something that we're so familiar with that we assume we know and then it may take circumstances it may take Even years of walking with the Lord, till you realize, I I, I don't think I really understood it completely. Kind of like the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, you've heard of the Holy Spirit. How many of you, if you're honest, identify with the 6 a.m.ers? That's not fair. That's not fair there. So here's the thing. If the story troubles you and if you're a little and if something rears up in you and you're like, that's not right. They don't deserve that. If you're feeling that at the human level, good. You're supposed to. You're supposed to feel that because Jesus tells this story to make a point. And the point is in verse one. Look at verse 1. For the kingdom of what? It's a story about God's economy. It's a story about God's way of doing things. It's a story about God's grace. And that feeling you're having, that conflict, that angst, that that's not fair, that's not, da, 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 da. it's designed to get you to, to get that reaction so that maybe you're open to going, oh, oh and he's like, I know, but it's not earth. This is on, God doesn't deal with us on earthly terms. Grace is about God and His economy and how He operates. It's not about how we think we should run the universe. Anybody ever tell God how to do things? anybody ever say well if I was God the whole point of us feeling uncomfortable and and, and a little bit um, angry even is that he's, he wants to teach you and, and he's been teaching me this is how this is how the kingdom of heaven operates this is how grace operates see we're we're the six amers we think. And, and we want God, God to reward us. We want God to compensate us based on what kind of what they're saying when this says they were, we work 12 hours, born to work heat of the day, right? What are we saying? God should compensate me. God should reward me for my service and sacrifice. God should reward me because I go to up diligently every Sunday morning. God should reward me because I'm doing the reading plan. God should reward me because I don't just give 10%, I give 20%. God should reward me, and you fill in the blank. See, at the human level, we think we know grace until something unfair shows up and God treats someone graciously, and we say, Lord, but what about all the service and sacrifice I've done for you? See, grace isn't about merit or demerit. Grace isn't about your sacrifice or your service. See, in your, in your outline there, I put one definition, and we're going to look at several definitions over the several, next several weeks. Here's one, kind of a familiar one. God's unmerited, undeserved favor shown to people who are totally what? undeserving of it. If it's unmerited or undeserved, what does that mean? You can do nothing to earn it. Now, why does that why is that tough to swallow? Cuz I'm a good person. And we want to cling to something within us that makes us feel good or in some way worthy. Of God's grace, and the truth is, guys, there's nothing. There's nothing. We are totally undeserving. All have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you want God to be fair, if you want God to treat you what you deserve, okay? Romans three twenty three. All have sinned. Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is. Do you really want him to be fair? Do you really want God to give you what you deserve? Because the wages of sin is death. You see. So th- this idea of grace, we just got to acknowledge that it, it, it it's it's not anything we're going to really understand if we try to look at it in human terms. Grace is about how God operates in His kingdom, in His sovereignty, and in who He is. Okay, has nothing to do with merit. Has nothing to do with a performance. Okay. Now, why is this important? If we don't understand this as believers, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak to us in this sanctification process that we saw here. If we have a distorted or inaccurate view, it says there, of grace, it can lead to false beliefs. It can lead to false beliefs. And I've told you before, there's a progression in, in, in our lives, right? There's beliefs which create thoughts, which lead to emotions, and ultimately create actions, right? Bill used to skydive. Oftentimes, right? He believes skydiving was safe and fun. When he thought about it, it was good thoughts. His emotions were, you know, fun, enthusiasm, and he jumped out of a plane. Scott thinks it's dumb. He believes it's absolutely dumb to jump out of a perfectly good plane, right? Because I might die. Thinks very terrible thoughts. Emotions are terror, fear, right? No. Is, is, is he going to jump? No. So it goes all the way back to your belief. If you want to, just a quick aside, if you're wondering why you are doing certain things, your actions in your life, ask yourself, what am I believing? Trace it back. In grace, a distorted or an view of grace can lead to false beliefs and thoughts and emotions and actions, right? So... What's one of the first false beliefs? I put it there. I must prove to God that I am worthy to continue receiving His grace. See, you realize, okay, I've sinned. I can't earn my way to heaven. You've, you put your faith in Jesus, and, and then at a certain level, you receive His grace. You, you've, you get grace at that level. But somehow, sometimes as Christians, we slide into this, well, I'm saved by grace, and it's unmerited. But I think I've got to prove to God that I'm worthy to keep getting it. And, and I put here, there's this, there's this thing that I've learned in 20 years of ministry called the full-time ministry syndrome where we think God has a varsity and a junior varsity. And the guys up here talking, the guys on the radio, the, the book authors, they're on God's varsity. And they get grace. They get more. But I'm just a guy at bonds. I'm just someone at Cafe Emporium. I'm just a stay home mom. I'm not part of God's A team. His A team are the missionaries. His A team, people in full-time ministry. They get God's grace. And what are you saying? You went right back into merit, didn't you? You went right back into receiving God's grace because based on what you are doing. It's false. You have nothing to prove as a believer that you should keep getting his grace. Because then it's merited. You get what I'm saying? If you're living your life as a Christian thinking that you're proving to God that he should keep pouring out his grace, you have just nullified grace on the front end. You You understand what I'm saying? You can't do anything to merit grace, more grace, less grace. Grace is just God's unmerited favor. Regardless of what you do, your merits, or you don't do, your demerits. Really? My demerits? Yeah. You don't have to prove. The parable of the talents. Right? What does the landlord, he gives someone five talents, two talents, and one talent. Right? The five and two guys were what? Faithful. Well done, good, and faithful servant. See, we're not to compare. Wherever God has you, be faithful. Wherever God has you, simply be faithful. Amen? It's not merits. It's not demerits. There is no varsity. There is no junior varsity. It's grace. It's grace. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, I was raised in a church. I have to read. I have to pray. I have to go to church or God's God going to bless me. Ugh. Whoever taught you that just chopped grace at the knees. Do you guys understand that? It, it, there's no varsity. There's nothing to prove, Right? And then and then, I call it the poor man syndrome. Here's the other thing, right? There's service. The, the 6 a.m.ers were basing their reward on service. And then I call it the poor man syndrome, sacrifice. Oh, Lord, to prove that you should continue to pour out your grace and blessings upon me, I am going to suffer for you. I am going to be poor and miserable and and I'm just going to give it all up to prove that I'm worth your grace. You ever heard that before? Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. It's not grace. Because by your desire... To be poor and suffer, what you're inadvertently saying is, I earn it, don't I, God? My, my suffering, my poverty, my self-imposed sacrifice is, in a way, me obligating God to be gracious. That's not grace. That's not grace. See, what we're talking about here, in, in years of ministry, I have people come to me, I want to be in ministry, I want to be in ministry, I want to go to the mission field, I want to serve God, and you know what I ask them, Why? What is your motive? What is your motive? And and, and I'm not asking, I'm asking us. What is your motive for doing anything Christian? What is your motive? What is your motive? Are you trying to prove something to God? You know why? Grace is uncomfortable. There's no free lunch in America. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to, this whole receiving, 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 and not being able to do anything, do anything, do anything, just get, get, get from God. That's grace. And we don't like that. That's uncomfortable. Right away, something in us wants to well up and prove that we were worthy of the gift. Which no longer makes it a gift. Grace. Has nothing to do with service and sacrifice. Zero. Has nothing to do with merit, demerit, performance, lack of performance. It is simply grace. Unmerited favor from God. And what are we supposed to do? Receive it. Receive it, right? So that's one false belief. The second false belief on the back there. I must pay back god for his grace ooh ooh how many of you on christmas or a birthday or an anniversary ever received a gift that was so cool that you in your heart said i got to give him something back anyone anyone ever ever been invited to a dinner and felt the need to invite them as what? Payback. See some of us as Christians, you get grace, it's unmerited, it's lavished upon us, and you live your life with the false belief that you've got to pay back God. You got to pay him back. Oh. If I give my daughter a gift, what does she need to do? Receive it. If my daughter is so overwhelmed by her father's generosity (laughs) that the minute I leave the room, she begins conjuring ways to pay me back, was it still a gift? No. It now became a debt. It now became a loan. It now became a commodity. Get it? I've been there. These two false beliefs I struggle with in ministry. When I was an early believer, I thought, i got to go into ministry, because that's God's A-team. No, God sent me aside. No, you're going to answer phones at Geico for a while. And at Geico, you're going to understand that I love you as much as when you were preaching. And then, and then, this payback thing, right? Uh, Lord, I've been so blessed with the wonderful church body, and, and and you provide for my family so abundantly. I want to work 80 hours. And and God used this guy yesterday to uh call your pastor on the carpet I said dude I'm watching you and it's not healthy and I rode a little bit yesterday on my bike and I was confronted with the truth I can't pay back God I can't pay him back even in the context of churchdom stop trying to pay him back The minute I try to pay him back, it's no longer a gift. Do you understand what I'm saying? We got to just receive. you just got to receive it. And and, and and it's so tough. Why? Because of pride. Let's just be honest. It's pride. It takes a lot of humility to just, what, receive and say thank you, right? Let me, let me share with you. I was thinking of if, if, if I were to share with you people in my life who who have impacted me profoundly when I was an early Christian and, and ultimately because I'm a pastor impacting you, right? We're talking about um, God's A-team and all this stuff. You know who impacted me the most when I was an early believer and into ministry? Uh, an architect and his stay-home wife who opened their house to a Bible study where I got saved. A commercial real estate agent who ran a men's group and loved me. A president of a bank who invited me to his house. Once a week, first time ever I cried with another guy, and a manager of a surf shop who taught me how to love people. These guys weren't in full-time ministry; they were they were just fulfilling their gifts. They were they were in a career, but they understood their the, the largest calling was to be faithful to God. They didn't have to go to the mission field to impact His kingdom. They were just being faithful where He planted them. Amen. We don't have to prove anything, guys. Don't, don't, don't try to prove that you deserve grace, because then it's not grace. Don't try to pay back the gift of grace, because then you just kill the gift. What do we got to do? Receive, right? We just have to receive it. In your outline there, it says, what are the consequences, right? We get a distorted view of God. All of a sudden, God becomes the cosmic debt collector. Have you done enough? I'm here. What have you done? Can you pay up for that great gift of grace I gave you? Right? We we see God as this cosmic debt collector. We're, we're trying to we can never do enough. We can never do enough. I gotta do more, I gotta do more. I gotta pan back, I gotta prove, I gotta pan back, I gotta prove, I gotta. Oh. You ever hear someone say, Jesus paid it all? How can you repay him? I heard this in youth camps. I might have even said it. Jesus gave it all. What are you going to give? You ever heard that? Who's ever heard that in church? What are we trying to do? Trying to motivate service, right? What are they doing? Killing grace. Because now I'm going to go out to the mission field because I feel indebted to Jesus. I'm going to go do something because He gave me. I have to give back. It's, it, it, I get the intent. I get, the, I, I get where that's coming from. Please, please, you know, understand my heart. But that's something that just distorts grace. You see how it distorts grace? Because now it becomes guilt. Oh, gosh. Jesus gave it all. And I'm comfortable in the United States. I'm a lousy Christian. What? I'll tell you right now. I know some multimillionaires in San Diego who love Jesus, who, who are faithful, who live in the power of the Holy Spirit, who give and make an impact, and they don't apologize for where they are. They see it, it's, it's God's grace anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever station of life you're in, that's God's grace. Just be faithful with what He's given you. And use it. Stop comparing. Stop proving. Stop trying to pay back. So then you're like, well, so what should we do? How do I how do I begin to? Well, you got to unlearn this. You got to be willing to identify this in your life. But here's what you have to do: if you are realizing God's grace, you just stop. You know, oh, it's unmerited. It's unmerited every day. It's unmerited. It has nothing to do with me. Have an attitude. Just gratitude. Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And let God's grace well up in you what? Love. Love. And Jesus says, out of the love, if you love me, your life will manifest obedience. Grace wells up in us. Love. Love flows into obedience. That's freedom. Amen? That's joy. If you're like, oh, you know, Christianity is such duty, such obligation. you got to get back to grace. you got to get back to grace. And just receive. Just receive. Right? James 4, 6. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. It takes a lot of humility. For you A-types out there especially you doers, you checklisters, I encourage you, take that checklist, throw it in the trash. It has nothing to do with grace. Zero. We'll close with this. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I have not what? I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not, I gain nothing. You see, grace should result in love. But if you don't have love, if you're doing all those things in First Corinthians 13 because of payback and trying to prove, you don't have love. It's not profiting you. It's not, that's, that's not the right motive. The motive for everything we do is should be what love, rooted in God's grace, His unmerited favor that is in no way, shape, or form tied to our performance. In no way, shape, or form will we ever be able to prove anything to him. And in no way, shape, or form will we ever be able to pay him back. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for grace. It was your grace that sent Jesus. And as we remember you through communion, And we receive the cups. Today we are reminded, we are told very directly there's nothing to prove, there's nothing to pay back. In your grace, we are simply to receive with a humble heart and love you.